I'm glad you're here, and I hope you had a good previous session. Um, so for this next 40 minutes, we'll be talking about embracing the present um, as a warm-up. Take a look at the first couple of quotes. Think about your own ideas of what is the present and tell the person next to you, um, what's the first thing that you think of when you hear the present? And after I kind of hear a lull in conversation, I will read the quotes out loud and then we'll continue. Okay, our first quote from C.S. Lewis in the book, The Screwtape Letters. Lewis says, the future is of all things the least, the thing least like eternity. It is the most temporal part of time, for the past is frozen and no longer flows, and the present is all lit up with eternal rays. Next, uh, by Spencer Johnson from The Precious Present. When I feel guilty over my imperfect past, or I'm anxious over my unknown future, I do not live in the present. My past was the present, and my future will be the present. The present moment is the only reality I ever experience. I like the contrast between the past and the present and the future. And I almost feel like God's idea of time is a lot more fluid than our chronological sequencing. Um, and so it's interesting to think of the present as being the closest thing we have to eternity in that it's happening right now. Um, and it has kind of that fluid feeling to it. But as we look at the past and as we look at the future, I think that we start asking those what if questions. Um, some of my what if questions, I think, might be similar to some of yours, or maybe they're completely different given our own uh, life story. Um, but just some general ones that I was thinking of are things like, what if my childhood had been different? What if I hadn't been hurt? What if I hadn't gotten that diagnosis? And those are questions that are not apply applied to things that are not of our choosing. Um, so things out of our control. And then I think there's another set of questions that are kind of looking at past choices and perhaps regret. Um, like, what if I had not dated so-and-so? Or what if I had made a different career choice? What if we'd chosen to live somewhere else? Or even something simple like, what if I had not said that? Would that have made things better? Um, so while I believe it's important to process the past, if you're like me, sometimes these thought patterns can get stuck um, in an unhealthy way on something that's already occurred, already happened, um, and that kind of impacts my own health. Um, and then looking at the future, considering the future, I think we also have a lot of what-ifs. And... Um, I look sometimes to the people in my family that have gone before me, and that can be a little bit um, frightening sometimes. Uh, my what-if questions about the future sometimes um, dwell in the realm of what if I develop that mental illness? 
Um, or what if I have that uh, health problem that my parent has? Um, again, in a room full of women, we all have different uh, stories and different um, families and different communities. Um, but I feel like I have experienced at times in my life where I get kind of caught up in the what ifs about what's coming next. Um, three of my four biological grandparents have had some mental health issues. And so as I think about my future, um, I wonder, do I have the Alzheimer gene in my DNA? Um, am I starting to show tendencies of hoarding? <laughs> um, or one of my grandparents just seemed to isolate himself increasingly. And being an introvert, sometimes I'm concerned, am I going down this path of just wanting to kind of have more and more time where I pull away? Um, and again, I think it's healthy to process those things and to think about how are my choices today going to impact how I live then? But it's when that unhealthy thought pattern gets to the point where it's stealing my joy from the present um, that I just need to take stock of that and say, no to some of those what ifs. So what I'm learning, um, because I'm certainly learning how to embrace the present, believe me, we're in this together, uh, is that instead of dwelling on the what ifs of what's already happened or the what ifs of what might come, um, is to change it and just ask, what now? So yes, that happened. What do I do with that now? Um, or sure, that could happen, um, but how do I live now um, without letting that take away from my present? Um, so given these two quotes and anything you've heard me say about asking questions, relating to the past or relating to the future. Um, has any of that changed what you think about when you hear the present um, from what you said 10 minutes ago? Um, let me take a few 15 seconds to think about it by yourself and then chat with the person next to you again. Um, hmm, this stood out to me and I'm thinking about the present a little bit differently because so take a little time to process. Okay, we're going to come back together here. In your folders, there's some blank paper. So pull out a piece. I'm going to draw a simple shape that has helped me um, see how living in the present is really when I'm living in freedom. Um, you can start by drawing a triangle in the middle of the paper. At the top, you can write God. Bottom left, obey. And on the bottom right, identity. Um, so sometimes when we get stuck in those what if thought patterns, um, I believe that it's when we are kind of 
relating somewhat to God out of um, a sense of fear, realizing that God is perfect and I want to please him. Um, I don't want to disappoint him. What if I had done something different so that I could be in a place of freedom now and I'm not? Um, I think that's because I'm relating to God out of, out of fear. And this is what I would call a false narrative. So I'm kind of teaching the default that at some point in our lives, I think we fall into maybe more than once. Um, so relating to God out of fear then kind of causes me to try to um, do things or feel responsible to combat those behaviors in my life that take me away from God, but in a way that I feel like I, I'm enslaved to getting it right. Um, whatever I have constructed that to mean. Inevitably, I fall short. And so then that can manifest itself in a sense of guilt or shame. And you might say that that's a shame-based relationship as I look at who I am and who he is. And... Um, think about what I wish it could be, but I, I can't quite see how to get there. Again, this is very simplified, but I think that probably you can kind of pick out, oh, that's what I was experiencing when. Um, I feel like when I fall short, I worry about what I could have done differently in the past or what I could do next time, um, considering the future. And that can caused me to experience anxiety, um, depression. Um, there was a season in my life uh, where I participated in a group that was looking at a book called Tired of Trying to, Tired of Trying to Measure Up. Um, I see some knowing nods. And it was a great opportunity to start unpacking this false narrative and start learning more about... Um, who God's created me to be. That was when I participated in a life path group. So if anybody has questions about it later, I'd be um, willing to talk about it. Um, so we want to reverse this false narrative. And, um, and go the other direction. So I will draw your attention back to the agenda. And we have two sections of scripture listed, Ephesians 1, 3 through 6, and Romans 8, 14 through 15. Take a few minutes to read through the verses to yourself. And as you're reading, underline anything that stands out to you or circle a word that you feel like God is putting on your heart. Um, after you spend some time reading through and just underlining some things, um, given what we've talked about so far, um, I will read the verses out loud, and then we'll continue. Okay, Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. 
Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. I'd like to take us back to the triangle and just note that God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and with, without fault in his eyes. Verse 6, it was what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. It was his glorious grace. So you can write the word grace over the word shame. And I love that because as we reverse the triangle, we're starting with God and he created me and he is pleased with me. And one thing I've learned to say out loud to myself, and this again sounds so simple, but it's challenging is thank you, Jesus, that you are pleased with me. And if that resonates with you at all, just write it down and say it out loud to yourself and see how it feels. Thank you, Jesus, that you are pleased with me. I know that he loves me, and this is his covenant with me, that he promises to love me and will be with me, and I receive it. And so that brings me to write the title of this shape, which is the Kingdom Covenant Triangle. It's not the Kingdom Contractual Triangle. It's not talking about a if-then kind of relationship. His covenant is with us. And we can receive his covenant is with us. His promise to love us is there and we can receive it. And that is his grace. And that's where it starts. And then down here at the bottom, um, we have the, we will see the opposite of slavery. Um, so look at the verses in Romans, Romans 8, 14 through 15. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. And in this part of the triangle, once we have received our identity as his beloved, then we can live in freedom. And here for me is where I really saw embracing the present dovetails with this triangle shape in that in the present, in this present moment, I have freedom. I'm freed from those what ifs from the past and I don't have to linger my thoughts on what's to come in the future. If I am living in freedom in this present moment, then I'm embracing it. Um. Then the outpouring of my life is an act of worship as I relate to God out of love rather than fear.
So again, it's a pretty simple shape. These are words that we've all seen before. I like how it contrasts them. I like how freedom is at the foundation of the triangle and how in that freedom, in that moment of living in the present with him and and I'm his beloved, then I can choose love over fear. So take a look at the shape. Take a look at this triangle and um, consider what stood out to you in the verses as you read through them the first time. I'm going to give you a couple minutes to, again, process with the person next to you. You don't have to get into your own specifics. If you want to, that's okay. But if you want to just say, oh, something that stood out to me in this shape is, or when I was reading those verses, something that stood out to me was, take some time to talk. Okay. I hear a lot of good talk. In fact, if you feel like you have something that you've been processing and you've been kind of seeing in this, um, in this picture, or if you feel like God has been speaking something to you through the scripture, um, we're going to take a little bit of time for you to share. Um, so I'll turn off the microphone and uh, we can just talk for a little bit and then um, we'll close. What gives God pleasure is what he wanted to do, to give us life, the kind of life that, as we live it, brings glory to him. He did not mean for us to be slaves to our past or fearful of our future, and all this is grace, grace for the moment as we live, as God is actively in the moment pleased with us, that we are living and alive in him, actively in the process of asking what now. He can answer what now because he doesn't speak in what ifs.